excited about it. I mean, I stop screwing around. Uh, welcome to the show, everybody. Welcome to episode 125. All right, guys, back again with a very special guest, uh, a recurring guest. Technically, it's her third time, but it's her second actual episode. Uh, it's my mother. You can say hello. Hello, everybody. Um, so the reason why I wanted to have her on was uh, it was something I thought about a while ago, uh, you know, because there's a lot of people in the world that don't really get a lot of uh, I don't know, notoriety for what they do. And I don't mean like as an individual, but as uh, certain professionals. And obviously during this period of time, COVID has uh, bothered a lot of people, but a lot of people that have gotten screwed over in this whole thing is, is nurses, obviously, and doctors and, and, and many other people, but nurses specifically. Uh, and so I wanted to have you on just to explain your journey of how, why you wanted to become a nurse and, and all that. And, uh, so, like, one of the things I did when I, if I remember correctly, weren't you, like, kind of squeamish with blood? Me? No. Never. Oh, I always thought Wrong you. Wrong person. Okay. No, I don't know. I guess I have the wrong. I thought you were, like, especially with, when, with me as a kid, I thought maybe you were kind of, like, I didn't think you didn't like blood or something. No, it's probably if you were getting stuck with a needle or something. Okay, I was needles, upset because you were crying, something that might have been it, but no, that's blood what, never yeah. bothered me. Yeah, I think that's what it was, was needles. You were kind of whatever, even if it was because of me or Christina, it was just needles in general. And then the irony is you have to give a lot of them. Um, it, it, yeah, it had to do with my kids. It had nothing to do with me. Just when you guys were stuck, you guys would scream and cry and always felt bad as a mom. That's all. Yeah. But I mean, the fact that you have to give it to other people um, still, I mean, but uh, so what actually made you want to become a nurse? I mean, I know the answer, but you know, you say it. Well, you know, I was thinking about that today. Um, I, I had to find something that I think I would enjoy, but I had to find something that I could take care of my children. I told you, and I think I said it before, I, I wanted to be a role model for you guys. I was in my own bad situation. Um, nothing like what you have dealt throughout the years, you know, with your disability. But I, I felt almost like a failure as a mother because I was at home and I was getting out of a relationship and I had to figure out how to um, take care of you guys. I actually decided, I take that back because I actually decided right before I got out of this relationship, I actually decided I wanted to go into nursing and I always, it was actually kind of something that I've always wanted to do. And I think when I really decided it was the time when you were sick and you spent, what, three, four months? Four and a half. At St. Chris, pardon? Four and a half. No, no, it wasn't that long. Yeah, it was. Three and a half. Four three and, and a half, half to four, four months at St. Chris. Okay. But anyway, it was a long time. Um, during that time, I was just watching, I was watching the nurses and just, um, I don't know. It, it was something I, I always liked taking care of people. And I thought maybe this was a good profession for me. So I decided to, to, to try it. 
Um, again, I don't know if I said this in the last episode that when I finally got the courage to go back to school, I haven't been in, I wasn't in school for what, over 25 years. Yeah. And when I was in high school, I never went to college. You're in your 40s so, when you did it? Or your 50s? I was, your 40s, I was right? in my 40s. I think I was 42. I was in my 40s. Yeah, I was in my 40s when I went back to college. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I went to see, um, I forget what you call it now, um, counselor. Went to see a counselor at CCP. It was an elderly. For those who don't know. Thank you. Um, it's an elderly gentleman. And I spoke to him and I told him my fears, um, you know, being out of school, et cetera. And he said, well, maybe this isn't the thing for you to do. So, well, that, a red light bulb went off. Well, you know, um, and I thought, you know what? There's another man in my life trying to, I felt like I was being put down. I felt like, um, I don't know how to explain it. And I just thought, you know what? I'm going to show you. I'm going to show everybody in my life that I can do this. So I decided to sign up. Um, it was the biggest thing that I ever did in my life. It was the hardest thing I ever did in my life. And it's funny, not funny, because how I remember the start of my, my schooling was not only was I scared to death, it also happened with the 9 9-11. And I don't know if you remember that, TJ, because they sent you guys home from school, you and Christina, yeah, yeah. your sister, <clears throat> and they sent us all home. And that was my first, I believe that was my first semester of school. Oh, that's how long ago it was? That's that's crazy. It doesn't seem like it's that been that long. Yeah. 22 yeah. years or whatever it's been, 21 years. Yeah, because I've been a nurse over 16. Yeah. So during that time um you know got to school i i had my own little thing i set up of uh i had a printout of what classes i had taken being out of school over 25 years unfortunately you have to take other classes so i had to take some general um, biology and some math courses i don't put letters and numbers together very well before you, before so you start you, my, this was like because i know what relationship you're talking about but like you just got out of the relationship and obviously there was a lot of you know, uh, money issues as well, like another pressure to actually like pursue it. Cause it wasn't like you were like well off financially. You weren't like broke, broke, but you didn't like, you had another reason, even though, you know, it was going to be a long way until you actually made some real money out of it. But, uh, wasn't that another decision? Like you wanted to actually, you know, do something more with and, and actually be able to provide more. Cause you said you were like as a failure as a mother and all that. You just made me cry. Um, I didn't say you were a failure. That was your words, not mine. No, I no, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about you know, just it's, it's like flashbacks right now of yeah. you know getting out of a bad relationship, worrying about money. Um, you know, you had had these people in your past put you down. You know, um, that made you feel like a failure. I wasn't supposed to do this. Sorry. Um, I didn't know you were going to. I didn't bring it up for you. I didn't either. I didn't either. I didn't either because it's it's kind of flashbacks to me. Um, It was, you know, uh, your grandfather died. Um, Two of my very good friends died during this time. Your grandmother, um, she got ran over by a vehicle, a van, I believe. She crawled to the side, you know, end up fractured back on her uh, foot, ankle. I can't remember. Um, You know, there was so much stuff going on. 
Um, but I was determined and I had you guys looking at you guys every day, looking at me. And that is what got me through it. You know, that is what pushed me. I, I couldn't fail you guys. I felt like I had a lot on my shoulders, but I also try to think, you know, I looked at you and I looked at other people that had disabilities and you know, my life could have been worse. It could have been worse. You know, I'm not dealing with a disability. Yeah, and Christina at the um, time, she was dealing with seizures, too. She's, over, she's yes, over them now, girl, but she had them really bad at that time. She had the absent seizures, I think. I don't know if you remember. She tried to, didn't she try to stab you or something? She tried to stab the TV, tried to... Uh, I think it was so the TV, things. but uh, the scariest one that I've, I don't know if I, I may have mentioned on here, but um, the, the scariest <laughs> one where I knew it was really bad is where she one time she was just going up the steps and then she just stopped and then fell backwards. It was like, oof. Like, it was, yeah. it was, it was really scary. Yeah, the... They say it two different ways, absence or absence seizures. You gra- you do grow majority of people. And I believe I, I, I don't want to say all, right. um, but she, um, you can grow out of them. And I believe it's, I don't know if I have my age, right. Um, I believe it's by this time. I don't know if it's five or nine. It was, it was an odd number. I'm an even person. So I know it was an odd number. I can't remember five or nine years, but she ended up growing out of them. And it happened right before she went to school. But yes, so dealing with with your disability, remember, remember, I think I say stated in the other episode that we um, also changed your days. Your days were now your nights, and your nights were now your days because of your vision. The sensitivity. So to we're the light, also yeah. going through. Pardon. The sensitivity to the light at that point, my eyes were yeah. much worse than they used to be, as far as as that goes. The sensitivity part. Yeah, and so we were dealing with. You know, or I should say we, uh, well, we, you, me, and, and Christina, you know, we were dealing with that and dealing with her seizures and then your grandfather died and then trying to get through school and then, you know, at the time, you know, then bad relationship, blah, blah, blah. It was a lot going on. It was a lot. It was a lot. But we did it. We did it as a family. We did it together. And I'm trying not to cry again. <laughs> right. But how, how overwhelming is that to like... You know, like start from the beginning, essentially, like where you have to start getting your your first class, your first books, like, and I'm sure there's a party that's looking at like the end, like, oh, it's going to be another four or five years until this is done. And like you, you need like a solution now, but it's not going to come now. I was, well, I'm not sure if I understand it completely, but you know, I was lucky enough. I did get into a relationship. The the gentleman had a lot of money, yeah. um, did help some occasions where I couldn't pay for rent or not rent a uh, mortgage um, that I try not to do too often. It was an ego thing for me. Yeah. Um, I did get luxury things, you know, that um, I did what I had to do as a mom. And um, I'm not sure where, where you're really going with it. No, what I mean is, no, I wasn't going with that. I don't, not even just the financial part, but like, you know, again, like you're talking about wanting to provide and wanting to, you know, just make a change in, in your life and our life and all that. And now you have to like essentially start from the beginning. Like you're taking your first class and I'm sure like you would have loved to just like flip a switch and now you're a nurse and things could change. But now you have to, you have to, you have, you have a realization of, okay, I still have another four years to go. Like, was there like a real mental, like, cause I mean, I'm sure some um, of the anxiety I got from you cause I've seen you had them back then. Um, but oh, with some sorry. of your, your tests and cl- no, I'm not blaming you. I'm just saying like some of your tests and your classes and 
um, you, you know, you're really anxious to, to passing. And, uh, but yeah, was there a certain like anxiousness to, you know, cause again, we all kind of sometimes like to look at the end, you know, the end of the rainbow, well, I guess, but you know, you have no choice. Well, uh, I'm a bad test taker. So, you knew I was a mess before every test. And, and then with all the stress of the personal stuff along with it, whether it was financial, whether it was you guys, excuse me, you and Christine and your illness or whether it was a bad relationship, there was always that stress there. Yeah. Um, I played a game with myself in a sense where I had this, I, I, I took print out, but it, I actually had a booklet from CCP community college of Philadelphia. <clears throat> excuse me. I had this where, so you open this booklet up. So what is your, um, what is your, uh, what do you want to call it? The, uh, uh, classes that you need to take. And it would list the whole classes. And of course, I had to add additional, since I was out of college, I mean, not college, out of high school for so long, I had to take additional courses. <laughs> so I, I added them on. So I played this little game with myself. Like, okay, check. You, you did it. You did it, Pam. You did it. I did the next check after I got through that class. Checked it. I put an A, an A, a B, maybe a C, back up to an A, whatever. I played that game with myself saying, um, you know, how many more classes do I have left? I would know how many more. Every time I got done with a class, I, I remember just checking that book off. I don't even know. I may still have that book. I would check it off. I would also put my grade. And this is how I actually got through it. I don't know if that makes sense. It was, yeah, yeah. You had something that like, it, it, it's, it's almost <laughs> like a, like a video game type of thing. Like you, you, you're looking exactly. to get past and the checkpoints. And it was, you know, I didn't get it from around me. So it was my way of patting myself on, on the back. Yeah. It gave me self-satisfaction every time knowing that I got through this and I did it on my own. I did it. Nobody did it for me. Not that anybody ever did stuff for me, you know, in that sense, but I did it. And it's like, wow, you know, it was helped with the self-esteem that was battered. I had battered self-esteem for different reasons. And it helped build me up. Yeah, no. I keep trying to keep myself from crying. I apologize. <laughs> yeah, she's a very emotional but it's, lady. It's, it's, it's bringing up a lot. And but you know, now I look back and I think, um, I don't know if I what I would do differently. I don't know what I would do. I mean, maybe pay attention to, um my children's feelings a little more, you know, you going through, you know, I, you know, it's funny because I was thinking about um, when you mentioned about doing this with you and I, I crack up every time I think about it because I think different things that I would say to you and you would look at me or you would say to me and say, mom, stop doing the tough love thing. Hmm. And I crack up thinking about that all the time because I did, I tried in my own way maybe not the best at it but i did try and um yeah yeah no i think i think you tried that more later and you know mm-hmm. towards so, my teenage years and adult years but you actually kind of yeah. babied me as a kid so eventually i did get my nursing degree um uh when i graduated uh from college one of the proudest moments you were there, your grandmom came, your sister was there. Um, yeah. then, then I had to take my board. 
that was another another feeling like a failure again. And this is to become a registered a, nurse, right? An RN. A registered nurse, correct. Can you tell correct. tell people what the difference is between an, an LPN and an RN is? Besides the um, pay, uh, pay there's there's a big difference there. I think they're slowly trying to wean out LPNs. It's a shame because all the LPNs we had were amazing workers at our hospital where I work. Yeah. Uh, the difference is in nursing, there's different things that they can't do. They can't push certain drugs, just certain things that they cannot do mm-hmm. that we, that we can. So that, that their pay was a lot less than ours, unfortunately. And they were great. And LPNs are great nurses. Right. Uh-huh. A lot of LPNs, I think, work in nursing homes now because uh-huh. they're, they're, they weaned them out at our hospital, unfortunately. Oh, that sucks. You were, you were, how long were you an LPN for? I know you, you know, you'll, you'll get in. I was never boards. an LPN. Oh, you weren't? Oh, no, no, I went right straight to the. Well, what was that? Cause again, you know, you were getting into your boards and I know you, you, you failed them a few times. Um, but what, what was, what, what do you call yourself when you were like, you weren't necessarily registered as a nurse, but you were still working at the hospital cause you failed the boards, but you were still working. Right. I worked, I worked as a nurse's aide. I had to continue okay, and that was, okay. And again, there's there's the failure, failure, failure feeling. Um, uh, I failed my board. So the people that I graduated with that actually got a job at the hospital that I worked at, they were working as nurses, and here I was still an aide. And you have to um, you have to reapply. It costs money. It's not cheap to reapply. Um, and you can, you can't do it right away. It took a, like I don't know, days or something like that. I, th- I think it was about three months. I think it was about three months that I had to wait and take it over again. Yeah. To make a long story short, I failed, uh, I believe, I don't know if it was two or three times. It was at least two. I know for sure it was at least two, but two or three. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. It was two or three, but I was determined. I was determined not to feel like a failure again. I don't want to feel like that's the worst horrible feeling um i was not only out to prove to you and your sister and everybody else that put me down i needed to do this for myself too i needed to do it for me and the best feeling probably the best feeling i ever had in my life was when i after i took my board whether it was the third or fourth time i can't remember um, I came home from Atlantic City. I was there for the weekend. You were there. You were, yeah, you were over 18. You were there by yourself, I believe. I came home. You handed me this envelope and you gave me a hug. Uh-huh. Well, no, I gave you, you a, I gave you a hug once you read the results. No, uh, are you sure? Yeah, I, I, I didn't know because I wouldn't, I wouldn't I have didn't. known what it said on it because I, I didn't have, a, oh. I didn't have a thing to read it at the time. So. Um, okay. Yeah. So okay. Sorry. You I, opened it and then read it to me and you said I passed and that's when I gave you a hug. I, okay. I was thinking that you knew because of the size of the envelope, but no. you handed it to me, but it was weird because you handed all the mail, you handed this envelope to me. That's what was strange to me. It was almost like you knew. Yeah. It was just probably good timing. And I, I mean, you know, okay. just well, a good I feeling. No, good. I do remember like you actually read it cause I would have, I wouldn't have jump the gun and just immediately assume that you pass because uh, that would have been really bad.
bad if you didn't pass and just get your hopes up. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is, so in nursing, I think they changed it now, but it was either you had 75 to 265 to up, yeah, up to 265 questions that you had to do. And the very last question, of course, me, here I go again, bad test taker, 265th question was about a rare disease that I actually happened to read the night before. Never heard about it. Happened to read the night before that I took my board. Do you remember what it was? That was my very last question. Hmm? Do you remember what that condition was? It's okay if you don't remember. I'm just... I, I can't because I'm... No, it's okay. We're I just thought maybe that something would stick in your head just because it, it was the thing that got, near, you, got uh, you over it. it. It was almost, oh, I almost had it. I can't, oh, can't think. Sorry. But anyway, um, that was my 265th question. And that's what I passed my boards on. I know you think I would know it, and I do, but right now. No, it's okay. I, I, I mean, it's up. a long time ago. I just didn't know if that would stick in your head or not. But, you know. And it was a long. I think once you were done with it, you were done with it. Yeah, no. I'll, I'll think of it, but I'll probably think of it when we're done. That's but okay. anyway, um, so. So what was then, like your first day like? Your first day as an actual registered nurse, if you remember. A mess. <laughs> a mess. I was a mess. Um, I didn't feel like I get great um, clinicals uh, when I worked. So I didn't feel like I knew enough. I, I. I was trying not to go back into that, what I call the failure mode, you know, feeling like a failure. I said, it, it was the scariest moment at my age. And I was in my 40s. I was in my 40s. And it was scary. But, you know, it, I have a great team that I work with at the hospital. I don't want to mention it, but I have a great team that I work with. And they got me through it. There's one person who got, really got me through it. And, we, and I still contact her. She retired. I call her Mama Sue. Yeah, we all call her no, Mama you mean, Sue. Yeah, I met her. Oh, do you? Yeah, I remember. I met her before. Okay. So she um, <clears throat> she got me through it. She said, you know, there's some strong personalities here. I'm like, yeah, I see. Um, <laughs> and she put it in a nice way. And um, she just walked me through it. She walked me through it. She told me, you know, when you're, when you're writing... One of the hardest things as a nurse is when you have to write uh, about a patient. And she said, write it as if you're telling a story. But anyway, she's the one that got me through it. And the first day and the second day, third day, it got easier. They tell you the first year is your hardest year. And then that's true. Yeah. Do you feel like you learned anything from those years or the the months or however long it was of you being a, a nurse's assistant? You mean as far as nursing? Yeah, like like before you actually passed your boards and you were just a nurse. Like, did, did you? Was there a lot of things that you picked up on that actually really helped you when actually becoming a, a full fledged nurse? You know, there there are certain things. You know, cleaning up the patients. You know, certain things like that. But your priorities are so different from as an aide or as a, as a tech to nursing. Your responsibilities are different. Your duties are different. Um, I, I, it, it taught me, I guess, I guess it taught me how to treat patients, you know, um, and listen to their needs or what they want and what they need. 
I think that's what I got the most out of it. Yeah, because you're probably more likely sense. to listen to them and hear them because you're, you know, you're kind of at the bottom. But, you know, when you see everyone else, you know, making what they're making and doing what they're doing, you're kind of, I don't know, you probably make more relationships oh. and you get to, you know, because you're, you're, you're basically have to be all ears if you want to learn and actually make it in that type of field. Yeah. Yeah, you have to be open, but you might get a little riffraff over that, TJ, what you just said about at the bottom. Yeah. Because, um, no, I'm just saying, because. I'm not saying they're janitors. Know, I, I'm just saying, you know, like it, technically, uh, as far as in, in the nursing field, like, you know, I mean, it doesn't mean they don't work hard. It just yeah. means, you know, I mean, I, I, sure. yeah, go ahead. No, I knew what you meant. I knew what you meant. I'm just saying that, but a lot of, and that's funny because a lot of the A's actually are going to school. There's, there's a lot of aides that are going to nursing school and that's, that's how you, you work your, your way up. Mm-hmm. You start and you know, you said at the bottom, you start at, at some level, you have to start somewhere. Right. You always, in any field, you have to start somewhere. You can't go from point A to point C. You have to go to A to B first. Yeah. So yeah. you have to, you have to work your way up. Did it, did it motivate you, though, to, to see a lot of, I mean, you know, I know it was depressing, but to see all your peers, the ones you graduated with, all, you know, pass and, and become a nurse and you're, you know, behind in, in a way, like, did it motivate you to, to actually work harder and then eventually when you became a nurse to really prove yourself? I don't, I'm not sure how to answer that, and I'll tell you why, because I don't know what, I think it. It wasn't about those people. I, I felt ashamed, to be honest with you. I was ashamed. I was ashamed because my children, because I felt like I left you guys down. I was ashamed as a woman, as a person, because I felt like, what, am I stupid now? I can't pass the boards. What, what's going on here? You know, I mean, maybe this isn't for me. And then I kept saying to myself, yes, it is. This is what you want. You've been in bad situations before. You can do this. You can do this. I was talking in my own head. I was talking to myself, trying to pull myself up and out of whatever I was doing. Um, yeah. It was a, that was a horrible feeling. A worst. Yeah, it was mainly ever. to prove to yourself, not to anyone else. And back to that again. At the same time, proving to others too. Right. You know, right. I, I don't want to kid myself here, but that is also to prove to others. You know, and proved to myself. Do you remember so, like the the first thing you really got good at, whether it's you know doing IVs or bandaging or whatever? Like, do you was there one thing that you really like took to quickly? Yes, listening to my patients and speaking to my patients. We, as nurses, people don't understand how we are getting from. Um, A hospital is about numbers. Patient care is so different these days as from what I hear from nurses that have been nurses for 40 years. It's different now. We do care as nurses. We can't spend the time with you as patients as much as we like. We want, we want to spend more time with, with the patients, and we can't because everything's about a number. It's about how fast can we get a patient in? How fast can we get a patient to a room? Yeah. How fast can we get this patient in? How fast can we get this patient out? Yeah. Unfortunately, that's pretty much everywhere. It's just, in your case, it it's life or death type situations sometimes. 
yes, it's not just my hospital I work for. No, no, so no, I'm, no. I'm not, I, I love where I work. So I'm not putting the hospital down per se. It's, it's, this is the way it is throughout the hospital system, you know, the medical field. Right. No. And if I sound a little angry, I am because as a nurse, I want to give everything to my patient, what they deserve. Yeah. Sometimes it's really hard and I feel bad about that. Well, one of, I think one of the biggest things for someone who, for me with, I've had many, been in the hospital many times. One of the most frustrating things is when you, you get in a room and you're just like another person and they treat you like, okay, here, they just stick a needle in you. There's not much conversation. It's just like, you know, on to the next person. And it's just as if they don't care. And, and the, like, the people that go above and beyond like you and, and many others that have, you know, that are in that field who actually try hard to, to bond with the patient and, and, and make an effort to, to even care about them. It does soothe you and make you feel more comfortable because you're already uncomfortable. You're in a hospital and, and regardless of what you're there for, um, it's nice to know someone actually is taking an interest in, and wants you to get better and not just, oh, okay, you know, who, who's, who's up next on the, on the, on the docket. It's almost, for us, it's almost robotic uh, or like an assembly line, next, yeah. next. And that's not the way it should be. It just shouldn't be. Yeah. And because it's also, we have to be careful because we are being pushed above from above from whomever. And this is where mistakes are being made and can be made and can be made by nurses. Yeah. Because we're being pushed. And it shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, before we go deeper into that, uh, one, the one thing I, I didn't ask you in the beginning is, is so why, why did you choose ER nurse? The main thing is I get bored easily. Fair enough. I, when you are on the floor, I feel it's more repetitious. And you have to remember, I work as an aide. I work multiple floors. And the funny thing is that uh, right when I passed my board, I, I, I actually I was pulled to maternity quite a bit and I was pulled to the ER and uh, I spoke with somebody I said I just passed my board they said okay but you know you'll have to work night shift I will ha that they pretty much said I would be hired for maternity night shift I said okay at that point I was ready and I knew the people and <clears throat> excuse me they um the very, the very, very next day, they got the walking papers. They closed maternity. So now I'm thinking, oh boy, where am I going? I can't do the floor. So luckily, I was working in nursing. I, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, emergency room. And they knew me well enough and how I work. I feel I have good worth ethic. That call comes from your grandmom and your grandfather. Um, I, I'm not afraid of hard work. So I was lucky enough they hired me in the ER. And this I found, this is home to me. This is, this is where I belong. I, like I said, I get bored very easily. So I like not knowing what's coming through the door. Yeah. And even some of that is repetitious when you get somebody in that is chest pain or somebody with abdominal pain there's a certain workup that you do and it's, that's kind of repetitious that way, but you still don't know what's coming through. You don't know if somebody's coming in and I hate to say it this way, but pumping on a chest and, you know, doing compressions and you never know. I mean, supposed to call you ahead of time. You don't know that. So there's some excitement with, with 
uh, the variety of stuff that you see in the ER. Yeah, for sure. Um, what, uh, you know, I don't want to hone on too much on the money part, but what, what was it like to get that first like paycheck that was like decent, you know, past all the other paychecks? You got? Cause again, you were, the reason I bring it up is because you were so worried about providing and obviously you had a guy at the time who was making money and, you know, now you actually could provide for, for us and, and yourself. Uh, what was it like to actually, was it like satisfying to, to see your first like real paycheck that meant something? Well, I'm going to describe it this way, TJ, that I, I get a lot of students um, uh, working with me um, at the hospital. Mm-hmm. And when I tell those students, I said, you know, being in the in the medical field, being a nurse, if that's what you truly want to do, yeah, that's your passion. That's great. Keep doing it. If it's something that you're in for the money, you're in the wrong field because you'll burn not only you out, you won't be good to your patients. And I also tell them, you know what? You don't need a man anymore. Yeah. You can pay your own bills. You can buy your own house. You could buy your own car. You don't need somebody. Wanting somebody is different, but you do not need anybody. Yeah. You now can, that was my satisfaction through my check coming in, knowing that I no longer needed anybody. And that's it. Financially, I meant. Yeah. No, Does I that you. make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like I said, I, I know the money wasn't the biggest thing, but I, I know it had to feel good that, like, okay, now these checks are much larger than they used to be, and and you didn't have to struggle anymore, and you didn't have to rely on anyone else. You can actually take nope. care of your kids and take care of yourself on your own. That was the best best feeling, you know. Yeah, I'm sure. And also, like I said, trying to be a role model to you guys. Yeah, of course. I mean, you were anyway, but you, you know, I know you you took it on yourself and you know a lot of your disappointment was more in your own head but you know I know how that feels so I'm not going to talk about you know putting on your excuse me putting things in your own head and and talking yourself into things that aren't necessarily there Uh, I do that to myself all the time Um, Mm -hmm. but you talk like repetition like you know, I, I thought about this because I, I recently got some blood work done, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, and there was a guy, uh, he came in, and just he just did it so fast, he just put a needle in, took the, you know, he just he dabbed it with the, the gauze on, but he did it, like, so quick, he barely was even looking, but he was so professional, he was so good, like, how long did it take for you to actually just be good at, like, you know, everything? You said the first year is always the most challenging, but what, how long before you actually got really comfortable and you started to really succeed at what you were doing I don't you know what in my in the emergency room I don't know if you're ever comfortable 100% if I haven't had a what I call a code somebody um, you know they bring somebody in doing compressions if I haven't had a person in that capacity and that capacity sorry poor choice of words um, if I haven't had somebody that ill you know, for a while mm-hmm. and they brought somebody in and they're doing compressions, I'm going to be nervous. I'm going to be nervous because I have to, you know, I have to get my mindset in a different, you know, routine than what I'm normally doing is, you know, putting an IV in, okay, their abdominal pain, um, girl blood and whatever else I have to do. 
it's, it's completely different. So I don't know. I don't think I want to say I'm always, I'm not a hundred percent. Um, what do I want to say? hundred percent. I don't know. I don't know if I want to say confident. Yeah, because anybody could screw up at any time. But I mean, you you have, but you have to be way more comfortable than you were. I mean, you said your day one, you were a mess. Definitely, definitely. Like I said, you know, it's always it's a given. Even with physicians that come out of school, and you know, a lot of our residents become our physicians now. Our attending, you know, even for them, they'll tell you it it takes a good year to have some sort of confidence. You. in, in the medical field, I believe if you're over overconfident, you're going to make mistakes. Some some people are a little too cocky for the britches, they should say. Mm-hmm. If you if you're if you don't think you can make a mistake, you're wrong. Any one of us can. Yeah. Any one of us can. I've seen mistakes made by some see, what we call seasoned nurses. Nurses have been nurses for, for over forty years. Because they've been rushed, because they're overwhelmed. Overworked. Overworked. Staffing has always been a big issue Yeah. Uh, with nurses. Yeah, I know one of the big worries is not, not that what nurses do. I mean, some do it, but one of the big worries is, you know, nurses taking medication and all that. And because um, I know you, it just. You, you mean know, drugs? Nurses yeah, taking drugs? just taking, yeah, like little stashes of medication for themselves. But. I know there's a lot of nurses that all, including yourself, not that you've taken medication, but there's a lot of nurses that have gotten hurt. And a lot of times to cover up some of the pain is, okay, I'll just take a, um, you know, a painkiller just to, to get me through my shift. And um, well, I'm not saying it's right. Yeah, I'm just saying another story. Right, right. No, I'm not saying it's right, but I'm just saying that, that that's like a real issue. Cause with you, like you've gotten hurt many times, right? Oh, you know, yeah, you know, I had neck surgery because of a of a work injury. But you've had other injuries but, too, because I think didn't you have a shoulder problem? Like you had a lot of injuries, like through oh, the, I, through I the broke years. my yeah, you know, I broke my arm, but that was here at Virginia, and um, then I had back injuries. Yeah, but I won't, I I don't take anything stronger than Motrin, except for when I had my neck surgery. I took a couple things. I don't like how you feel. Yeah. Mm-mm. But I know I, but, you, you've had but, like back pains and things. Not not maybe didn't turn in translate into like a really bad injury. But I remember there's a lot of times you were just really sore and. Uh, I have yeah. back pain right now. I have a chronic back pain, but it is what it is. And <clears throat> but what you're saying is, and it, that is true. Where you're, you're talking about nurses getting addicted. You talking about nurses in general, or are you talking about people in general? Well, people, of course, but mainly, mainly nurses, just because I know that's a big worry <laughs> of just because don't they have some sort of, of computerized system to like figure out where the like where all the medication is, like the stat, like you know, uh, I can't think of the term, but uh, yeah, isn't there yeah, like certain they, drawers and things, and they, they they have to you have to keep a track on what is all there, uh, and if anything's missing, you know, they have to figure out where it went. Well, there has been nurses that have stolen, stolen, did I say that word? <laughs> stolen uh, drugs. Uh, and unfortunately, the entire um, people that, that work in, in that area have to pay the price. Um, you, we walk, let me put it this way. I, I have to watch what I say because no, I this yeah. is a podcast. Right. Um, we have to account for every drug now that we pull. 
and if we we just have to because we can get in trouble for it. So narcotics with nurses now, I think walk walk on thin ice or walk on the edge, I should say, because we have to watch the drugs that we pull. Um, a lot of drugs you have to have if you have to waste a med. So say your your doctor orders 0.5 milligrams of Dilaudid and you uh, they only have one milligram, you have to waste it with a nurse. That's a given that you have to do where you pull the med. But if I have, if I put it in my pocket and forget, what am I going to do? You know, no one's going to sign off on me. You have to do everything in front of a nurse. I actually, do you remember when I went for, um, with Shelly for our 50th birthday, we went to Paradise Island and we rented, we rented a limo going to the airport and I just remembered I had the morphine that I never wasted with anybody. I had it. I, 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 when I had it, I put it up in the hutch. I wanted far enough away. Nobody would find it and see it. I hid it. I I called my boss and said, Oh my goodness. I have, I was in the limousine on the way to the airport. And I said, I have this morphine that I didn't waste. And he said, okay, okay. Back then, we were okay, and, and they believed us. But since there was one incident where a nurse was stealing drugs, you can no longer do that. We would be written up. We would be drug tested. Multiple things would happen. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I, I do I do vaguely remember that, actually, because I remember you were really panicky about it even after the fact. Even, oh, I was. I was a mess. <laughs> even, when you, even when he said it was going to be okay, I think you were still kind of, you were worried about it, thinking that it, it still would come back on you somehow. I was, but I still had fun when I went away. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you know, girls, girls day out. <laughs> but, or... Yeah. But yeah, I was, I was worried about that. I didn't want to lose my job. Right. I worked too hard for it. Right. Well, the reason why I brought that up is because there's, you know, again, I think a lot of people know how hard nurses work, but they don't know to some degree. And it, it's, I'm sure it's probably not hard to get caught up in that mess with the medication because, again, you, you, you do suffer a lot of damage to your body and mentally. Like you get worn out, you know, you work 16-hour shifts back-to-back and you're just tired and you, you haven't slept very well, you, you know, and you're just you're, – every part of your body hurts and now you have to lift up patients and, you, and you're looking at – you know, the first hour of your next 12 to 16 hour shift and you're just looking for something to take the edge off again, regardless if it's right or wrong, you know, it's, it's how people get caught up in these things. It's, I mean, there are people that have problems well before and all that, but I'm talking about the people that are just working their ass off every day and they just need something. Um, because it's, it's gotta be hard just doing what you do and you, you care about it. But if your body is just so torn up, um, when you're at the beginning of a really long shift, it's, it's gotta be hard to like pull yourself through it and, and get yourself mentally and physically like prepared for a long day. Yeah. You, you know, um, I'm probably going to hang myself here, but you know, I, it's, and you're right. And, and that it's not just nurses. It's, and I know you're focused more on nurses, but it's also people, um, working class. That's how they start out. And right. I do blame the medical field stop giving the narcotics out. Stop. They have to stop. They have to figure something else out, but stop giving the narcotics out. And that's how it starts because of a back injury, because of a leg injury or a hip injury. Um, for me, I'd rather go home and drink a beer or two or a glass of wine and relax. Yeah. That to me is more satisfaction. You know, I get more satisfaction than 
I'm not a big pill taker, never was, never will be. Um, you know, Motrin's probably the strongest that I really will take if I need to, but it's, it, it, it does happen in the medical field. It does happen out in the real world. People are, are using the drugs. Yeah. And we have a lot of drug seekers that come in. <clears throat> and now it's to the point as a nurse, I, sometimes you question, maybe there really is something going on with this patient or are they looking for the drugs? You know, I, I, I try to ask questions, you know, when, when a patient starts telling me, uh, well, first of all, when they start saying they're allergic to certain meds that are not narcotic, then that's like a red flag to me. Or if you start, if you would come in and say, uh, oh, they come in for something and I would go to give them medicine and I would tell them what they're, what I'm giving them. I like to tell the patients, I think they have a right to know what's going into the body. So I tell them what they're getting. How many milligrams? Okay. Well, there's another red flag. Another possible drug seeker. Yeah. You know, I had, a, I had a patient that was a nurse that would come in. But because of the information she was giving me, where's her location, where she was from, um, you know, just different things she told me, another red flag. So drug abuse does happen in the medical field, probably much more out there than I'm aware of because I, but, uh, I'm, uh, you know, it's out there. It's just out there. Yeah. Um, I, I, I believe you told me this. Isn't there like a certain time, like before your work shift, you're not allowed to drink because they test you? Yes. Because I know you drink beer. You're not a, you're not a crazy drinker, but I mean, like you would come home and have a beer, but it would be, you know, late at night or whatever, but like. Isn't there, like, there's a certain amount of hours or, or so you can't drink at all, right? Well, no, no. Well, it, it, well, it, the thing is, when they test you, you cannot test positive. So I, I, look, I was looking and researching just so I wouldn't get in trouble. It's like you figure if you had one beer, you figure you can't drink. Say you had four beers. You better plan on at least four hours before your shift. You're not drinking. Okay. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I thought that's where you were heading. But, yeah. Um, you know, you try, you shouldn't drink a lot anyways the night before your shift because then the next day, first of all, you feel lousy. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, we've, there's been people that have got caught, they were, had a good time the night before and they came in and um, they did a, a spot check on this person. And they don't have to have a reason. They, they try to say that they, they don't know who they're picking. It's kind of a ran, well, random check. I, I, I disagree. We all disagree. Because they, they hit people when, when, they, when they get mad at management or management gets mad at a, a certain person. Yeah. It seems, uh, seems funny they get drug tested the next day. Mm. Um, but uh, for a nurse, if she gets caught and it's positive, uh, whether it's drinking or drugs and they own up to it, they have to go, I believe they have to go through like a, you know, the schooling. I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah. And you have to um, make sure you test positive on, I don't know, it was like a crazy amount. I thought it was like 20 or 20 or 25 times they test you and you have to stay negative and then you can get your job back. Oh, well, you can keep your job. If you test positive, once you come back through all that schooling and you come back, I could have this wrong, but this is my understanding okay. from somebody yeah. Yeah. that 
um, you come back and during those whatever amount of time, if you test positive, then you can lose your job. So they do give you a little leadway in a sense as an as a nurse and even as our aides or tech that if you test positive, you know as long as nothing bad happens, somebody died or anything. But um, I think they give you a little leadway with that. Right. Um, kind of transitioning. Do you do you remember like the first day like COVID, which is really a real problem at your ER? Oh, yes. Um, COVID, because I, because wow. I think a lot of people just weren't prepared. And I remember because, you, you know, um, you, you live in the hot spot of our state and where you got it in our state is the worst. Um, and, you know, I know I, I wouldn't hear from you for days and sometimes you would randomly say, like, you know, I, I've worked a 12-hour shift and I've been working four days in a row and are, we're swamped. It was, wow, you know, it's funny because I, I don't know why I was off or something. Maybe I just had a few days off and I come back and I look, I'm like, it, it looked like a different department. I mean, it was weird. We walked in and there was, we had these, um, I, I shouldn't call them fake drapes. Uh, what do we call them? Um, they're like drapes and they're on uh, metal rods and you can open them up. They're kind of to give people privacy. Mm-hmm. they had them around certain things and they, we had these doors that we have we have these doors that divide we have what we call fast track area and then we have the main ER and then between that now there the doors there we just always kept them open but now these were shut and now the fast track became we call it COVID land at least that's what I would call it COVID land Roman COVID land now it's set up People were scared to death. Nurses were scared. Doctors were scared. Um, now we have to start wearing, you know, it's bad enough wearing a mask. Now we had all this other getup. We had to wear um, gowns and everything else. Um, uh, oh, I just remember it, it was it was the weirdest feeling. Um, I don't even know how to describe it. And people people didn't know what to do didn't know how to act now all of a sudden where we used to go in this one room and get our medicine now we have our own little uh we call it a pixis where we pull our meds now in COVID land now we have this little pixis here where we draw our meds now we have certain things over here and we had bags set up if somebody coded somebody was dying and we had to do certain things we now had these bags of stuff where we used to just walk into a room and get it. Now we have these bags of stuff that we have to take in, uh, outside of a room, not in a room, outside of a room because some of this stuff is sterile. Uh, nobody wanted to work in this area. Everybody was scared. We, we would go home. I, myself personally, I would go home. I, and, and especially the first few nights, I would go home. I would take my clothes off once I got inside the door because I lived in, you know, in Northeast Philadelphia. But I couldn't take my clothes off outside. It wouldn't be appropriate. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, I would go in. I would take my clothes off and I would shower. I would throw my clothes in a bag. So you kind of treated it like, you know, and I've talked about it before. We went through bed bugs one time. So you're kind of treating yeah. it almost like that, except. Correct. Yeah. 
Okay. However, I I washed my stuff right away that night. Um, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even go to bed with my husband. I would sleep on the sofa. I felt like I was the dirty person. That's how I felt. I didn't want to. If if I would have went to bed, I had what if I had COVID? I gave to him. People were dying left and right. Yeah. Well, what people you don't, know? you know, people don't remember, and this is now going on like three years now. Uh, mm-hmm. The very beginning, no one knew anything, and the science. I mean, ha- half the things that the scientists told us are now they went back on. Like most of the things that in the beginning that they told us is completely, you know, a lie, and then because they just didn't know. I mean, not even a lie. Just no one knew. And so I would imagine how scary it is for for you and the doctors and all the other nurses to to figure out what to do with this because no one knew. Everybody was paying attention to the news trying to figure out what to do about this. And you you can't just take time and just watch the TV. You actually have to try to, you know, be there for the patients too. So, you know, there was not enough time to just sit around and watch for more information. No, no. And the information we would get from our, our, you know, from management of, Okay, uh, this is treatment. Now we're going to treat it different ways. This is how we're going to do. You know, it, we actually—I'm—I'm I'm telling you—that was probably one as a nurse. That was one of my scariest moments. Um, and now things are a little different. People are a lot more lax, but a lot more. But you know, even we try to protect our own too. When we went in, and I was thinking about this earlier on my way down here, driving to Virginia, that we go into a room and somebody is sick. There's a lot to be, people don't realize when, when somebody comes in and is COVID, there's a lot to do. There's a, a lot of things to do. It's not just sticking a needle, draw a couple of things of blood and out the door you go. It's not like that. There's a lot more to be done. And we try to protect our own too, because a lot of the techs would come in and their job usually consists of, which I was one or aid or whatever you want to call what I was before used to do this, that, they would come in and they would get vital signs and they would um, they would do EKGs and they would do other things that we needed. We had to, we started to keep at the beginning. We tried to keep them out of there. We tried to minimize the amount of people in the room. You know, I mean, from where we were and where we are now is just it's unbelievable how lax people are right now. But people aren't dying like they were. But people still need keep their guard up. This is not over. I'm telling you, I said it from the very beginning, a year into it. I said, you guys, it is not over. And it's not. Yeah. I remember you You coming up here to to visit. You came to visit Mm -hmm. us and, and you were like, so torn back. You were were so taken back by the fact that a lot of people down here weren't wearing masks, including, you know, well me, but also grandmother. Um, Especially the first time you came up to visit, because you, 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 I remember, I think it was, was it a family reunion? You wore a mask the whole time. I don't remember what, it, what I was up for, but yeah, yeah. I, I did it because I want to protect you from me and I want to protect myself from you. Right. Yeah. I, just people are a little too lax on this. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people that lost a lot of lives and a lot of family members, you know, went through a lot through this whole thing. I mean, Wow, what number are we up to now? I mean, and people are still dying. We're getting a lot of positives, or also still getting a lot of flus. That it's really late in the season, but um, people are still getting COVID. Yeah, isn't so that is how sad is that to like watch? You know, because people can't also can't come in to visit either. 
So you got you got patients coming in and they'll die, but there's no one there to really be there for them because they're not allowed in because they get you know infection. That was probably that was really really hard as a nurse, and I'll tell you, I got to tell you, you know, there's two sides to this with nursing. Do we like you, you know a lot of our family members are can give us the hardest time, so. It was a good thing not allowing a lot of people back um, to see their family because it was, wow, we can go in, we can do our job, we can take care of the patient. You know, it was just, I have to say, I guess it was one less thing for us to do and not sit and not communicate with the family. But we go through a lot. We go through a lot with families. And I'm trying to figure out a nice way to say this, CJ. Sometimes there's a lot of problems that, that come with families coming in. However, during the COVID or any time when somebody is really sick, you know, rules are made to be broken in some situations. Mm-hmm. And when your family family member is really sick, I have no problem bringing more than one person back. I think you have a right to be with your family and, and be there because I think you can help heal. I think a family can help heal. And even so, if they are at their end of their life, they have a right to hold their hand. Um, during COVID, we have we get a lot of people from nursing homes. Oh my goodness, this breaks my heart because do you know how many? Do you know, what was that, TJ? I heard a noise. Sorry. Um, I don't know where that. I don't know if that was your end or mine. No, I don't know. But um, we get a lot of people from nursing homes. And do you know how many family members, and my friend Dari uh, was one of them, that how many family members have died alone in nursing homes during COVID because they weren't allowed? And this is, it's, it's, it's no disrespect to the nursing homes. They were doing what they were told. They were doing what they had to. But when they come to our hospital uh, from a nursing home, I allowed the family member to come see their, their mother, their father, that they haven't seen in months. I allowed them. I, I, you know, was it right? Was it wrong? I don't care. As long as you had a mask on, I had a mask on, I'm good. Mm-hmm. You have a right to see them. And I actually felt proud to be able to do that, you know, to them because they haven't seen them. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah it's got to be. It was horrible. It's got to mm-hmm. be. I, I, I had a friend who was in a hospital and she was older and she had COVID and I'm just trying to talk to her because there's no one's allowed to visit her and uh it was just it was you know she was really happy anyone even cared to even check on her because you know she was in there for weeks and no one's allowed to see her and just i gotta gotta imagine i mean she ended up living but imagine how lonely they have to feel and and all they see is you guys coming in and out and they're not allowed to see anybody that cares about them and especially when they're older like that, they're super vulnerable. And if they're at a point where they just don't feel like living anymore, maybe their body will give out because there's no one there to kind of root them on and and push them to keep fighting because they just feel alone. Yeah. That's why I always allowed, you know, like I said, the the families to come in because hopefully they can, you know, it's, it's their mother, you know, it's their father. They have a right to see them. I mean, I think about you and how, you know, you in the OR and I was determined nobody's going to 
stop me from standing outside the OR doors, even though I wasn't supposed to be there. They told me I wasn't. And I wasn't. I don't care. I would feel the same way if it was my mother. You know, I want to see her. And when I saw some of this stuff on TV where people were outside of windows at their families and homes and nursing homes and sending, putting signs up and just doing different things, I thought that was, that was amazing. That was amazing. You know? Yeah, of course. Yeah, any way you can keep their spirits up. I know it's it's just, you know, yeah. even though it's dying down, it's just that the worst parts of of the pandemic was rough for many different reasons but especially in the hospitals i mean at this point i think it's it's pretty much it's still pretty much yeah, the only and, place that you're supposed to wear a mask you know and you know tj you know during this covid i have to tell you there was um one instance for me that as a nurse how where i got the best satisfaction i for the first time really first time as a nurse that I felt appreciated I walked into and I'm not doing advertising for Wawa but I'm just letting you know that I was walking close to my hospital they work I walked into the Wawa and if I'm allowed to say that um, I walked in and I was just getting myself I think something to eat I walked in full gear with my you know thing I put on my head and my out my uniform and whatever and I walked in and all I was doing is trying to get, I think, something to eat or coffee or something. And somebody said, thank you for your service. And I almost felt like a soldier, you know? Yeah, but you, it you was, do put yourself at risk every day for... But we don't look at it that way. That's what you don't understand. We don't look at it that way. We look at we are doing what we like and we are doing a job. Yeah. And, you know, we, we always look for that good outcome, of course. You know, when we have a bad outcome... We're human too, and we as nurses come across as being—I um, don't know if I say that, but I'm going to say it anyways—as a hard ass. We aren't. We 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 do have a heart. Yeah. Um, but you I've see a lot of shit of, every day. Like you see horrible things, regardless if someone dies or just just someone coming in with chest pain. Like you see constant, you know, fear and pain. And it, it, at some point, like it, it's got to be hard to just be bubbly and, and giddy all the time. I've cried over many patients. Um, I try to be as appropriate about it as I can and not let the, the patients or the family see it. I have no problem. I've many patients and many families I've given hugs to. Um, I'm not ashamed of that. I'm not afraid of that. I think I, I want them to know that we do care um, or I care. I can't speak for other nurses in different situations. I know how I am and how I practice. Um, I want to think I am a caring nurse. I've, um, heard, I've heard good things. Yeah, you, you were my nurse one time, which is rare. But I was yours? Yeah, one time. When I was, oh, having, when I was having one of my anxiety fits. Oh, oh, in room 12, I remember. Or 11, sorry. I don't know the room, but yeah. <laughs> I do. But I mean, I, I've, I I've heard, I mean, even the nurses, they all say, we love your mom and she's a great nurse. But I, I, I know a few people that were your patient and said how good you were. So. Well, maybe they lied to you. Well, maybe they did. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm lying to you. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> no. We lie to her. We Probably lie, not the last. You lie to your mother all the time. She she won't. She, <laughs> yeah. she brings it up all the time. <laughs> well, well, then I'll stop having surprise birthday parties for her. Yeah, I know. Forget gifts and, and nice, joyful things. She just, yeah. She, I she, know. 
Yeah, mm. she, she brought it up the other day that I was I, I lied to her too much. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I don't know where we were going with it, but it's uh, yeah, but I just it, it it's got to be hard not to get like desensitized to just blood and pain because you know that I think a lot of cops go through that where it's like you see a lot of shootings and dead bodies. You get to a point where it's just it's just kind of normal, and I'm sure as a nurse it's gotta it's gotta get, you know. Again, even with COVID, you've seen dead bodies and and you you've seen, you know, and you constantly have to put needles and do all these things. At some point, it just you know because what we were talked about in the very beginning of not trying to, just be robotic and just do your job and not care about the patient. But it, I'm sure it also gets hard because you do see so many people on a daily basis. And you, you get to see so many, you know, horrific things happen to other people at some point. It just kind of becomes numb unless it's, you know, somebody in your life that you really care about. Yeah, when you, you know, as a nurse, you go in, you do your thing, blah, blah, blah. And But when you, you know, when you start having like a family member coming in there, you start seeing them sad, you start feeling there's a connection, you know. I'm not sure if I know how to describe it, but it's like a connection. Okay, now, all right, you have this person, you're taking care of them, you're doing what you have to do to try to save their life. Okay, oh, now there's a family member here. Oh, this is a mom and a daughter, you know, and they're worried about losing their loved one. There's more of a connection. Now there's more of a, for me as a nurse, now there's more of an emotional connection. You know, the first connection is me as a nurse and a patient. Now it's now I'm starting to see a connection between say mother and and daughter, and now it starts to become an emotional connection. And this is where sometimes, you know, sometimes it's easy just to like, you know, put up that shield, do your job, walk out, you're done. But there's some families and some people you have this certain connection with, just like every day in life. There's certain people you connect with, certain people you can't, some people you don't give a hoot whether you do or not. But there's some people that come in, the ER is a nurse, there's that certain connection that you have and then now you start getting emotionally connected to them. If that's making sense to you. Yeah. Um, I have no problem myself. I get that once that emotional connection kicks in, now I feel obligated to follow through with these patients and see if I made a difference in their life, mm -hmm. if I saved them. Um, if I had one guy come back to me um, and say to me, you know, you just saved my life and I want to thank you. And I said, oh, what did I do? I think I remember you. You know, you see so many faces. Usually faces I remember, names I don't, I'm bad. Yeah. And he said, yes. He said, you, he said I did it appropriately, that I um, pretty much fished him out about smoking. And he said, if I wanted to, he said, I would be dead right now. It was all about smoking. You know, so for me as a nurse was a great feeling because in a, in a sense, I feel like I did save a guy's life. And also... I pat, patted myself on the back again. There's that, you know, pat on the back again. And because as a nurse, your, your job is also to teach, not just to save a life, not just to put a needle in somebody, not just to give somebody blood. Your, your role is to, to teach, teach people, teach people to make changes. 
to save their life. And that's what I felt like I did that day, you know, when he did that. Sure. Have you seen anybody, maybe not exactly like you and I situation, but have you found, have you seen anybody that kind of reminded you of like you back when you were, uh, you know, taking care of me in the hospital? Did you, did you, is there anybody or any, you know, maybe there's a few of them just a struggling, parent, like a, a mom struggling as a, a parent. Yeah. A mom <laughs> and her child, you know, a child's going through something and the mom is, or, or, or dad, but you know, mainly, mainly probably a mother because you know, you are one. In all honesty, no, never said, a, never saw a situation like ours. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that for any other reason. I'm just answering your question. Yeah. No, okay. well, no. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure some of those people probably get kicked up to a different floor anyway, but, uh, yeah, no. I'm pretty proud of what we've accomplished. It may not seem like a lot. Um, I, I think as a family, you know, things that we struggled with, you struggled with more than any of us. You know, I think we, I think we did pretty damn good, TJ. Yeah. You know, I think, um, I think whether it's me or whether it's you, I think in our low times and maybe it sounds easier than I'm saying it. Um, you know, there's a lot of people out there that struggle, not just with depression, with disability. I think sometimes we have to take a step back and look at what we have accomplished and look more in the positive than the bad. And I know it sounds easier said than done, but I think that's what we need to do. Um, as your mother, and maybe this is the wrong time to say this as your mom, I am extremely, extremely um, proud of you. I think um, I think hats off to all of you that are suffering or, or dealing or living with disabilities. My hat's off to you. I would like to say my home's open to all of you, but <laughs> my home's not that big. Yeah, but... Would you say you don't want all of them in there? There's some crazy oh. ones. <laughs> well, anyway, I went to school um, with a few of them. <laughs> anyway, um, we as caregivers. Um, so Wait, I, before you, know, you finish, you, when you say hats off, like you mean hats off for overcoming and, and enduring, because it, I mean it as a good thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah because if you, it almost because yeah. I don't want it, like people misconstrued your words where it's like, oh, you know. Good for you for suffering. <laughs> so no, no, yeah. no. I know, no, I know. I I'm just no. we live in this sensitive world where people are so like they hear one soundbite and it's like not that not that my podcast is that big for that to happen, but still, like you mean you know for overcoming and enduring and and not you know oh good for you for suffering. <laughs> no, no, you know what I meant. And, right, yes, right. I'm just clearing it up for you. Thank you. Yes, yes. Thank you. And I also I believe you have somebody that might be doing a podcast. And from things that I've read about um, a person's family, I want to make sure I say this appropriately, um, it sounds like, um, not that they were a caregiver, but they are protective. And I say this as a, for a reason, because as a caregiver, as a protector, as I was of you, my hat's off to this person I'm talking to talking about, but um, whether it's our son, our brother or sister, um, caregiver is, is a pretty tough role too. Yeah. Um, 
that's another, that's probably another uh, iPad moment. I'm iPad, sorry. What am I trying to say? Podcast, sorry. Podcast moment for you with, with caregivers, but. Yeah. Um, well, I'm sure it's, it's yeah. even harder when the caregiver is the parent because you, you're. What you're, you it's it's much harder. I'm I'm assuming for a parent who's the caregiver, like the caregiver has to be the parent because you're you're closer to the situation. Not that caregivers don't well, care and they don't love their patients, but for a mother who you know, obviously you got to see your kid in horrible conditions. You know, you are the caregiver, but you're also like in love with that person. Like you you don't want anything bad to happen. Whereas the caregiver, yeah. they care, but it's also their job. They don't have like this person isn't a part of their life. I mean, they are, but not in the way of you know, they didn't, you know, birth that child. You mean as caregiver, as they... They're still important and they still care. I mean, there's still a lot of great caregivers. I'm just saying it's, I'm sure it's much, you know, for a parent, it's got to be more, you know, I don't know, emotional. Well, it's not just about parents. I mean, I think there's brothers and sisters. Yeah, okay, right. That also consider themselves as caregivers. And, and, um, as nurses, we're, caregivers now you kind of threw me off because i was going okay, somewhere sorry. with what i was saying sorry no you're good but um um now i forget what i'm saying sorry Chi. no it's okay no biggie you um, know yeah. uh, but i was i was saying you know kind of my hats off to caregivers of all sorts um of people with disabilities of family uh um that family members that are ill i mean there's a lot of a lot of caregivers just, I mean, even the elderly. Uh, a lot of elder, huh? No, you, you were saying what I was saying. The elderly. Elderly, thank you. Uh, people people take, you know, look at your grandma that took care of, of your grandfather in a sense. You know, yeah. to me, she was a nurse. She, oh, she did what she had to do. You know, there's uh, a lot of caregivers out there, not just disabled, but elderly. I can't even say that. <laughs> okay. But, um, you know, every there's a lot of people out there that are caregivers, and I think my hats off to them. And I meant that in a good way. Um, that they 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 do this, you know, for their loved ones. Um, nursing care as a as a care. Uh, I don't know where it's going to go with this, but as a as a nurse, I am a caregiver, but in a different sense than somebody taking care of them, their family at home. Yeah. For sure. Um, so. Yeah, I, I think we covered everything, right? Unless there's something you really want to say as far as from a nurse's perspective. No, no, no. I, I just, uh, no. I think uh, we're good. Yeah. Well, I, I so you, you said it earlier, but I, I want to say so. So you know, so you know, I can't speak for uh, my sibling. But I can say that, you know, I absolutely do love you. And I think I am proud of what you have accomplished because, you know, I, I, I was there when watching you struggle with it, not just the boards, but just every day, like every class. And I mean, you didn't even want to dissect a frog or whatever what was a pig or whatever you were dissecting. There, that was, You had a problem with that. Um, there was just I, so I watched the ins and outs of you struggling and how you got to it and you know, now you've been doing this for a long time. You're talking about retirement and, you know, obviously you're married and you're just doing, you know, you're, you're literally are living the life you want to live. I mean, maybe not, it's not entirely perfect, but you know, you wanted a shore home. Well, you said that for many years, you got a shore home now. Um, so yeah, I mean, just as, as your son, obviously, you know, you know, I look, we, we've had our, 
issues and so on. But no matter, even when I was my most upset and mad at you, I I still would take a bullet for you in a second. Like I still would defend you and fight for you regardless. And if anybody else said something bad about you, I wouldn't entertain it. It's just, you know, again, everybody goes through issues. It is what it is. But, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm just happy that you've turned this into something because, you know, from the very beginning of our story, uh, of me going through SJS and you watching all that and, you know, taking your risk for that procedure you did with your eyes to my eyes and all that. And then you, you know, even going down the, the mental roadblock of, okay, do I actually want to be a nurse? And then you did it and you passed and you graduated and all that. And now you've been doing it for 16 years and, you know, however long you continue to do it, like you had a lot of success and you're really good at it. So it's, you know, I'm glad to see what you, what you've become, even though you're my mother. Thank you for being my son. Yay. Um, Bullet says hi. He's right here. Hi, Bullet. Yay. See, he did a little rollover. He like he's you're one of the people he likes. Are we off? Um, okay, well yeah, we can just end this because I don't have to ask you if you have anything to promote because you're not on social media. So uh, I guess just say goodbye to everybody and we'll end it. Bye everyone. <laughs>